podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Today, we're continuing our mini-series looking at the many different locations that people in our community have decided to lay down some roots and call home for a variety of reasons. And in today's show, we're going to be talking with someone who hasn't just settled in a place, but is also considering applying for citizenship there as well. My name is Dustin Overbeck, and I run a company that does website and design for municipalities called TownWeb. Now, part of what's so fascinating about this generation of location-independent entrepreneurs is that the decisions they make about where they're located can often have little or no effect on their earning potential or career. Now, of course, that's not always the case, but I think that that growing disassociation between where you live and what you work totally changes the way you evaluate where and why you live in certain places. I mean, the generations before us They worked where they lived, and they lived where they worked. Now, what's interesting about Dustin's story is he's not just thinking about himself, but he's got a family to look after and two young kids. And you're going to hear about the considerations about the kind of life that he and his family are seeking, the sense of community he wants his kids to experience, and a bunch of other reasons that Dustin and his wife have made the decision to settle in Romania, which is a country in the southeast of Europe bordering Ukraine Hungary, Serbia, and Bulgaria. And Dustin lives in a very special part of Romania too. Not the capital of Bucharest, but one that we've all heard about from books and movies. Transylvania. Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) Okay, I'm not, Arison, save me from myself. But one that we've all heard about from books and movies, Transylvania. But before we head to Europe, we're going to dive into Dustin's backstory just a bit. Let me set the scene for you because I think you're going to recognize it. At the beginning of his career, Dustin moved to Los Angeles and he landed himself the so-called archetypical dream job. I was working for a new startup in Los Angeles at the time that had, I don't know, like $150 million of venture capital. And I was employee number 200, I think. Things were going wild and crazy, and I wasn't a fit for the company. They asked me to resign, and I, at that point, said I'll never work for another person again and started my own company. And at that time, I read the four-hour work week. It had just come out that year in 2007, and that's when I started TownWeb. So you're in LA. You must have had a lot of living expenses out there. I did, and I had moved out to L.A. just so I can work in that company, and basically I had to – I couldn't return all the stuff that I bought at Ikea. I I had just newly furnished my one-bedroom apartment. I had a view of the Hollywood sign. I was walking distance to the location. It was like a dream come true for me, working for a startup that was – the idea was that it was going to be bought out by Google, and I couldn't afford the rent going forward if I didn't have a job. So I had to find somebody to take over the remaining 11 months on that 12-month lease. And luckily, I did. What did you take away from the four-hour work week? Because it's, it's 10 years ago now, coming up in a few months. That's true. I think my biggest takeaway from the book was basically the mindset that you don't have to work 
a nine to five job to fulfill your goals and to fulfill your dreams and that you could find something online and work from wherever you wanted to. Because right after I read that book, I went and wrote on a piece of paper what my financial goals were, what my career goals were, and none of them was really centered around making a million dollars or getting stock options and cashing them out. It was more so like having an independent lifestyle. And it was at that moment, actually that summer that I read the book and got whacked from that job, that I moved to the Philippines. I was dating a girl from the Philippines at the time who's now my wife. And that's where I started basically the business. It's a strange situation because if I had seen your story when I was in my early 20s, like you're living in a cool apartment in LA working for a cool company. That's supposedly what you're supposed to be doing, I guess, you know? That's what I thought the dream was because at the time, a lot of people who were working at this company were former people from Overture and Yahoo. And I thought, this is it. I'm finally working with cool people who work for cool startups. But I really, I guess I wasn't a fit for people working in a company that was very fast growing, that had venture capital, that had to have all these meetings and reports. And it was just too much for me to take on. I might not have been accustomed to the lifestyle either or to the fast pace because a lot of times people were like, oh, oh, you're from Wisconsin? Why are you out in LA? Like, I didn't feel I fit in as a Midwestern kid. And I kind of have a chip on my shoulder because of that. And I'm, if anything, a little negative about California because of my experiences of being there. What did the early days of TownWeb look like? Was it just you making websites for people you knew back in Wisconsin? Yeah, it predates that a little bit because I was known as the local guy who did websites. So the first website I did for a town was for my uncle's town. He was the chairman in that town, and it was the town where my high school was. And then basically two years later, and this is like 2000 or 2001, and basically two years later, another local town wanted a similar website. And the lights turned on when I found out that I could copy that code and basically customize a few things on it and still charge the same amount of money. And I thought, hmm, maybe there's another couple hundred towns that could use something just like this. Like I had found the niche, but it wasn't until many years after that that I decided to exploit the niche because I had no other thing to do. The early days of gaining the first 10 customers was basically I was sitting on the beach in the Philippines. I had created some flyers through some online service and had them mailed. And I also had one mailed to my mother and mailed them basically to a couple hundred municipalities. And they all received them. And then a few people were interested in a quote. And that's how I got the first couple of projects. And then my mother sent me an image of what I had sent her. And it was a tri-fold brochure. And when you open it up, it was upside down. <laughs> so I didn't even have the right orientation. But that's literally how I did it was through a direct mail campaign. Describe where you were in the Philippines at the time. What was it like? I was on the island of Boracay, sitting on the beach, on the white beach, not too far from where the waves were lapping, using very slow internet to connect to these services to create these postcards. It wasn't overly built up and touristy like it is now. It's basically pre-condo Boracay. So at that time, you know, TownWeb has now turned into a significant business for you. But at the time, were you thinking, I'm just living the dream here, like, I just met this wonderful woman. I'm just going to burn my savings and have to go back to LA? Or what was the what was your mindset? You must have pulled out every last hair follicle dealing with the internet at that time. Yeah, the internet was just survivable. For me, 
I needed to survive. I had actually just graduated with my master's degree at that time, and I still had a bit of time of forbearance before my student loans had to come due and start making those monthly payments. So it was basically sink or swim. And I wasn't the kind of guy that likes to sit on the phone and call and make sales calls all the time, but I had to do it. And I had to do it from the Philippines. And if anything, my experience of being on the beach in the Philippines, making these phone calls, and then essentially winning a few orders, I felt like I was cheating the system. Like, it's supposed to be a lot harder to do this. Like, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't be able to win sales calls by sitting on the beach. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to say it was all sunny days and, and winning orders left and right. A lot of it at the time was trying to convince people for a product or service that they thought they needed, but their chairman didn't because, you know what, he's 80 years old, he doesn't have internet, he doesn't know what the internet is, he doesn't think anybody else uses this thing called the internet. So in the early days, it it was a job for me. And then it wasn't until like maybe three, four years later that it went from a job to more like a business. But I felt like I had kind of made it. It was not really making it, but it was more of a milestone for me when I had signed up my 79th customer because that 79th customer meant that I had enough recurring income from the web hosting that I was breaking even on the cost of my web hosting services and the money I needed to survive in the Philippines. It was basically my break-even, that I could make the minimum payments on the credit card, I could make the loan payments, the loan repayments, and I could basically not be in the red anymore. When did that small island start getting a little bit too small for you guys? We were only there kind of temporarily. My wife actually has a house outside of Manila, and I was bouncing back between Manila and the United States because I would go back for a bunch of bigger trade shows to meet and greet potential customers. But more or less, I I lived in the Philippines for about two years on and off. And then we did get married in the Philippines. And then after my wife received her immigration visa, we went back to the United States, went back to Wisconsin. And at the age of ripe old age of 30 something, I was living with my mother and my (laughs) wife because we didn't still didn't have enough cash flow to like be out on our own completely. But after a couple of months of hard work and my wife was also working, we then were able to buy a house that we lived in for several years after that. How did life change for you guys back in Wisconsin? By being back in Wisconsin, the help that I could meet and greet customers on a more regular basis, because at that time, I was really focused on doing website design in Wisconsin. I wasn't really doing it for municipalities outside of Wisconsin. Occasionally, people would find me on Google, but it gave me a base that if I would go around the state and I was doing the dog and pony shows, I was going to different municipalities. I was giving the spiel about the advantages of a website, and that's how my name got out there to win those those early projects. And the nice thing about the niche is that these municipal clerks all kind of speak to each other. So if you have a pretty good name, your business name does get spread around in a positive way, and I was able to win a lot of new referrals from that. If I had a nickel for every listener of this show who I've met in person who said something to me like, I had no idea you guys were doing that. I'd have a big stack of nickels. (laughs) The truth is the vast majority of the initiatives and events that we create for listeners of this show are never announced on the podcast. The only reliable way to stay in the loop and to get involved is to subscribe to our email newsletter. Join thousands of entrepreneurs today. You can find all the details at tropicalmba.com slash subscribe. So what was the motivation then to uproot? I mean, you were running a location-independent business. Had you guys been doing a lot of traveling around and things like that? 
While we were in the U.S., we didn't travel around at all because my wife really wanted to spend enough time. I think it was the three years in the United States to get her citizenship. And then after that, we did go back to the Philippines for several months. We had a, our son at the time, and that was the first test to really see what it's like to run my business while living abroad and seeing if we can still grow the business while I was living in the Philippines because for the prior three, three and a half years, I was always in the U.S. So we did that for a test. It was great. And then we decided in 2014 to buy one-way tickets and spend the entire calendar year of 2014 in Europe. Basically, six weeks after we bought the one-way tickets for myself, my son, and my wife, we found out that my wife was expecting another baby. And it was like, well, do we still go on this trip or do we cancel it or do we pause it for another year or two or what? And my wife was okay about, let's go on this trip, let's have the baby born in Europe. And with her approval, it made everything possible. If she would have said no, we wouldn't be having this conversation, I think. The first thing I did is look online to see if we do have a baby born in Europe, could that child have a citizenship in another country? And unfortunately, Europe, it's not so easy. I think there's a few African countries you can get dual citizenship. And of course, in Central and South America, there's several countries that allow that. But we thought, okay, well, that's not going to be a huge advantage. Let's see where the baby could be born without you know, problems. Let's pick a great place with good hospitals. And we had already kind of settled on that we're going to spend three months in some countries and go inside and outside the Schengen zone. And we ended up in Romania because I had been working with a couple of people. One was a programmer who was from the city in Brasov. And we thought, well, if we have to be outside the Schengen for a while, for three months, let's have the baby born in Romania. Let's spend time with the people that I already know here. And then after everything settles down, let's maybe go to another country like Spain or maybe Germany and move onward. Romania is not in the Schengen? It is not in the Schengen. It's in the EU, but not yet in the Schengen. So that's why it's still kind of an ideal location for people who want to be in Europe, maybe not too far away, because they can easily come and go. But yeah, they do have to fill the requirements of being outside of Romania for 90 days and 180 day period in order to be re-entered. Okay, so you guys made a pretty radical move, though, which is like, hey, we're going to live in Romania now with our family kind of feels like a really quick decision. Had you been there before or what was going on there? Yeah, we originally didn't decide on staying in Romania long term. We were only going to be here to spend three months outside of the Schengen so that we can go somewhere else in the Schengen and maybe go back and forth three months at a time. But the thing is, once you have a baby, a newborn baby, travel becomes a lot different. <laughs> and I didn't want to introduce too much stress just for the idea that I wanted the idea of traveling around and living in Europe while working in Europe. And the thing is, once I was in Romania, one of the first things I did after checking out the hospital system was to find a co-working place. And I signed up for a long-term contract at the co-working place and met some really cool people. And I was just kind of, kind of half joking, like, yeah, I like Romania a lot. I'm wondering if it's possible to stay long-term. And one of the persons at the co-working was like, hey, I have the name of the guy who works in immigration. Here's his cell phone number. Give him a call. I'm like, really? Okay. So I gave him a call. I met him at the immigration office. He met with me for like 20, 30 minutes, told me what I needed in order to stay more long-term, what the choices were, and then referred me to an attorney who would be able to help process everything. And essentially, the ability for us to stay in Romania was that we started a business here. It's actually a business with no activity, so we don't really pay taxes on the business because there's no official activity but the fact that we were able to create a business here, we were able to then give ourselves a visa to stay here, which we have to renew once a year. And so that puts you on then a citizenship path, yeah? 
Apparently so. I only checked into this recently with my attorney, and she says that it takes about seven years, and she's not sure if it will continue to be the same way because they do have to abide by European law. So sometimes European law does change slightly, and also the, maybe the Romanian law has to change a little bit too. Right now, it seems to be doable. Tell me a little bit about like the emotional pool. Like, What's Romania like? Just start there, man. I've never been there. Romania is pretty cool. The problem is it suffers from bad PR. People think that it's a country with nothing but gypsies, with a bunch of pickpockets, and people who are like vampires and Dracula. (laughs) It's actually quite diverse. I mean, people don't realize that where we live in Transylvania, it's very Germanic. Like, it was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. There was a large Saxon influence, so all the buildings and architecture have a Germanic look. I mean, it's basically like little Germany. As a matter of fact, my son is in a kindergarten here. And it's Romanian and German. And he's going to go through the school system where it's a school system that's nothing but 100% German. So for a little city, which is the seventh largest city in Romania, you have like a little mini part of Germany in here. And this is Brasov. Brasov, yes. Romania is built of three different main areas. And this area is Transylvania. Like Transylvania really exists as as an area. And yeah, there's a large German influence here. So So you guys just like dumped all your dreams of Spain and Parisian cafes and the Portuguese coast and all this because you found this place that spoke to you in some way? Exactly. We found this place that really spoke to us in such a way that it's like, it feels like Western Europe, but it has Eastern European pricing. It's got the, I think, the world's fifth fastest internet. So it's ideal for like somebody who wants to be a digital nomad. It's got an awesome cafe culture. You can just go to any cafe, sit there, work there for hours. Everybody's got Wi-Fi and really good Wi-Fi. I consider it like a four-season digital nomad destination. You don't have the beaches, but you get the four seasons. So you can go skiing, you can go biking, you can go hiking. There's a lot of nature here. But it doesn't have like the big nightlife that other cities like Budapest would have or Barcelona would have. It doesn't have that. So I think it's not going to appeal to the younger crowd, but it will be ideal for people who have families who want a nice kind of laid back way of life with the ability to have an awesome work-life balance with a low cost of living and still only be like eight hours time zone away from central time zone. And when you say low cost of living, what are you talking about? I looked on this website called Numbio. And it's basically about 30% cheaper than Chiang Mai, Thailand. My rent right now, I'm, I'm living in a three-bedroom apartment, and it's about, I don't know, I guess 150 square meters. We pay about 550 euros a month. <laughs> That's a mansion of an apartment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like a villa, but we're in the city center and everything. And then people say that we're even paying too much because there are other places that like the locals live in, and it might be 200 euros a month for a nice two-bedroom or something like that. So the cost of living, I think, is relatively inexpensive with regard to the apartment. The food isn't that expensive. Going out to lunches, it's maybe like around $5 if you want to have a full meal. There are places where you can spend some coin for nice, nice meals and stuff like that, but it just meets all our needs. Like, for example, we have a piano teacher for my son. We have private language tutoring for him in German. These are things that we never would have been able to do in the United States, or it would be like maybe 10 times the cost. So that's the nice thing that it gives us a really good, I don't know, community feel and the ability that we can do more things than we could than living in the United States. For your wife, is there anything specifically for her that resonated? Yeah, this is what we didn't expect. It was probably about four months after being here that my wife met another Filipino. 
and then she got integrated into the Filipino network or the mafia, however you want to call it. And it turns <laughs> out that there's like probably 20, 30 other people here who are Filipinos. And the reason for it is because a lot of Filipinos will work on cruise ships. And a lot of Romanians also work on cruise ships. And many of them get together, get married, and then they decide to move back here to Romania. And so we're involved with a network of other people who have young children here. So it's great, great community for my wife and all her friends to cook the stinky fish and do whatever they do. <laughs> and then for the kids to get together and play and have fun. And we didn't expect that at all. And that's why it's a great area for my wife to be in because she still has that community without having to be back in the Philippines. I'm assuming you don't speak the local language. Is that problematic? Well, I'm now starting to learn the language. For the last several years, I've been attending summer school here. They have a really awesome summer school program sponsored through the government. It does cost a little bit of money to attend, but it's intensive language in the month of July. So the language is Latin-based. It's a romance language, but it has more deeper grammatical roots in Latin. But it's more closely, I think, similar to Italian than, for example, Spanish. So I understand quite a bit, not everything. But the thing is, the reason why I've been here now like three years going on four and I still don't speak fluent Romanian is because so many people here speak English quite, quite, quite well. I think you can actually go to the university system here and it's all in English for the most part versus being a Romanian language. One of the things that location-independent entrepreneurs kind of debate when we're having these ridiculous conversations, we're comparing apples and oranges, but it's kind of like the ease of use, you know, of a place. Like, how hard would you say is it for somebody to come to Romania to get set up and to be there for a period of time? It actually can be done within the first 90 days. So I actually had a friend just go through the system. He had been coming and going Every three months in, every three months out, he decided to go ahead and do the same thing that we did. The act of starting a business is literally just takes like three days, four days. It's a lot easier when you hire an attorney to do it. But then after having the business started, that allows you to get the full-term residency, at least the residency from one year at a time. And that takes about an additional, I would say, five to six weeks. So basically within the three-month period, you could be here, feet on the ground, get situated, get your apartment start a business, and then receive your residence card to stay here more on a long-term basis. I noticed you've created a cool guide for entrepreneurs considering coming to your city, and I'll link to it if you don't mind, but are entrepreneurs coming to Romania? No, that's the thing. <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> I'm the one. The other DC members here are the ones that I met locally here in Brasov who liked the idea of becoming a member of the Dynamite Circle. Well, first of all, there's a problem with getting here. It's not so easy because you have to fly into Bucharest. Bucharest is only just about 100 miles away, but it takes three hours by train or two and a half hours driving. So it's not like if somebody's going to try to check off all the countries in the world and they come to Romania, they're going to go to Bucharest and then fly out. People who want to see what Transylvania is kind of known for, they will visit Dracula's Castle, which is in a city called Bran, and it's about 20 minutes outside of Brasov. So they go, they land in Bucharest, they take the train, whatever, they quickly go to Brand Castle, and then they head out to another city. They're kind of bypassing the whole city center of Brasov. And given that it's the seventh largest city in Romania, people don't even consider it as a potential destination because they just it's not on their radar. So unfortunately, people that come through, they're only here to kind of see the touristy things and take off. Not many people are thinking of it as like a, a full-time destination where they want to be here for a year or so. However, I did have a friend not too long ago decide to come here on a vacation, 
And after about two weeks, she's like, let me speak with your attorney. I, I want to see what it takes for me to come here. And more than likely, she's going to come here for like a six-month period this summer. And if everything goes well, she'll prepare everything with her house back in the United States and then maybe live here more of a long-term contract because she can do most of her work through the internet. You're becoming a maven. <laughs> it's interesting because one of the things you stressed when I was reading your post is that like, look, I have to think about things in, in long terms here. There is this generation of entrepreneurs that, not to overstress the point, but it's kind of a novel idea that you're making a location decision that's quite separate from your earning potential. Of course, it does affect your earning potential a little bit. But in the past, I mean, that would have been one of the largest considerations when people were considering these sorts of things. So this might be a tough question, but there's all these versions of you that could live all around the world, you know, in South Asia, in China, in the US. How do you feel like your life's going to be different? How do you guys feel like your family's lives are going to be different because you've decided to locate yourself for a long period of time in Romania? Boy, that's an interesting question. Because I do kind of write out a five-year plan of what I see myself and my business in the next five years and how I see my family and especially my children and their education. I really focus a lot of time on looking at what my children's future will be like. And I don't compare it like how would their life be different if they lived in the Philippines because they do have dual citizenship. But I do compare it how their life would be like if they still were living in my hometown in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. And the things that are important for me are the ability to travel a lot and to learn other languages and to be integrated with other cultures. And it doesn't really matter which country we're in so much. It just happens to be that Romania is, is just perfect for us where we are at this time of our life. And that's why I like that my children are learning Romanian. They're also learning German. I like that they will grow up probably through a lot of the public school system here in Romania, at least for maybe the next five years or so, and have a really solid foundation of what it's like to live not as an expat. The thing is, a lot of people, a lot of Americans who have like these international jobs and live in different destinations, they will be in the expat crowd. And they will put their kids into an American university in Singapore or in Beijing or whatever. And it's kind of like a little sheltered ecosystem or like people who are part of the Air Force or Army and they live in Germany and they live 10 years in Germany, but they don't speak German because they're only integrating with other Americans in the military. I'm trying to do it more of a natural kind of way where the kids will attend public school or attend local schools and have local friends versus just only hanging around with other Americans. And the fact is there's not a lot of other Americans here, so that's kind of something unique about it. I would recommend other people who are, especially if they have families with young kids, and they don't have to even be young kids, but people who are looking for a destination to test out and try for a little while, to give Romania a shot because it is part of the EU. It's a country, I think, with a lot of surprises. It just suffers from a lot of bad PR that people think it's nothing but pickpockets and whatnot. That couldn't be further from the truth. It's a really neat destination. As a matter of fact, we had another DC family who I met at DCBCN this past year. And they had to leave the Schengen zone for a while. And after meeting with them, they're like, okay, maybe we'll put Romania as one of the potential destinations. And sure enough, they showed up. They spent a full three months here. We had an awesome time. They've got two girls who are in their early teens. And we were meeting up all the time. And it was really nice to have that little bit of community. And they're an Australian family. Now they're in Asia. It's got a great place with uh, low cost of living, super, super, super fast internet, and a really awesome cafe culture. For me, those are the three main important things for being able to work and live abroad, at least for my business. Well, cheers. I mean, it, you probably won't be the, the only family for long. It sounds like a place ripe for an invasion. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. 
Big shout to Dustin on behalf of TNBA listeners. We appreciate you coming to the show and sharing your story. I love to hear these stories about how the location-independent lifestyle is playing out for entrepreneurs and their families. And as I mentioned in the interview, we're going to link to Dustin's excellent guide to the pros and cons of living in his corner of Romania, which sounds interesting and beautiful, by the way. Links and notes will be at tropicalmba.com slash Romania. Go check it out. That's tropicalmba.com slash Romania. Thanks for listening this week. We look forward to seeing you again next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.